0: And turn with me in the book of Genesis to chapter 28. Chapter 28. By way of review, we are following the family of Abraham. Key and central throughout all of scripture is this covenant that God has made with Abraham to bless him personally. To make of him a great nation. To bless that nation. To curse anyone that curses that nation. Or to bless anyone that blesses that nation. And here it is my friends. And through this nation. All the families of the world will be blessed. Jesus is of the line of Abraham. He is the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Eve after the fall, that there would be a struggle between the evil one and her seed, the seed of the woman. It is Jesus. But he kills the serpent, my friends. Destruction. Good, 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 good. Captain of a ship looked out into the dark light, and he saw a faint light in the distance. And he immediately told his signal, signalman to send a message, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Promptly, he returned a, a message was returned that said this, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Well, captain was angered. Commanded his, had been ignored. And I'll tell you what, nobody disregards the order of this Captain. So he sent out another message, all to your course, ten degrees to the south, I am the captain. Soon another message was received, all to your course, ten degrees north, I am a seaman, third class. <laughs> Surely it sounded like he was being pranked or something, but immediately the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear that it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Surely it would end there. But along came the reply Alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> oh, heavens, my friends. At some points in our life, we come face to face with a decision. We must make a choice to yield. And we know that that is a great difficulty in our hearts because in our hearts, we have this, we have this fallen nature that says, me first. You don't believe me? Why don't you head up Samuelson till you get to that little underpass there, you know? And you want to be the first one through. Forget that guy down there. Surely you were there. Nobody likes to yield. And in Porter, it seems nobody even likes to stop. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, friends. At some point, you come nose to nose with the Lord. Every one of you have experienced it, I presume. At some point in your life, You have looked at your past, and you know what the Lord has done for you, and you know what you must do, and that is to yield to him. And I presume you're here today because at some point you did. You said, no, Lord, your way, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Yielding is a difficult thing. It's one of the things that parents must teach children to do. I mean, again, they come out of the womb with the same sin nature you got without any training. And they want what they want, when they want it, and they don't care what it costs somebody. A night's sleep? I want milk. (laughs) Learning to yield. Proverbs 21.21, which is easy to remember because it's the same number, says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life and righteousness and honor. Whoever pursues what God has called us to do, whoever yields to him, finds these good things, kindness, life, righteousness, and honor. But it's not easy for us to yield to others, let alone to God. And sometimes it takes a series of events in our life to become a person of faith. This journey begins for Jacob here in verse 28. We remember the sting even of just how ludicrous it is that he would cover himself in goat skins and wear the clothing of his brother in order to deceive his father and to cheat his way into the blessing of God. What a, what a, just a horrific, horrific thing to do. And he did it. And he got caught. (laughs) Almost instantly, my friends, be sure your sin will find you out. But there are a number of things that Jacob is about to go through that will remind him to yield to God, not to scheme, but to trust. That would be something good to write in the cover of your Bible somewhere in there. You know, people write quotes and they write good references. But I'll tell you what, the people of God, we don't live by scheming, we live by faith. And Jacob is about to learn that. So here in uh, chapter 28, we see the first step that Jacob is going to go through to bring him around into fully trusting in the Lord is separation. Separation is the first step. Notice here in verse one And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanites. He's sending them away and giving them some direction. And so, first and foremost, he is separated from his mother. You may recall that it was his mother, Rebecca's, idea to dress him up like his brother and go steal the blessing. And because of that, they send her out to go find a wife from her family, and she never sees him again, my friends. So the first aspect of separation is separation from a fearful, scheming mother. It is the first fruit of sowing and reaping. They both have sowed deception, and now they are reaping separation. In Genesis chapter 27, just the chapter before here, verse 46, Rebekah had said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Woe unto me if my daughter, if my son marries one of these women. And she's the one that plants the seed. Send him away. Now, that may indeed be a concern of hers, my friend, but I think primarily her concern is that Jacob's brother wants him dead. He is just, he stole his, you remember his, uh, his blessing here, and also his birthright, which was part of inheritance. Remember he said to him, he says, rightly you have been named Jacob, which ultimately just means deceiver. And he is a deceptive man, but the Lord is going to change that. And the first step is separation, separation from his mother, separation from his father. Again, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And there's two reasons for this. It wasn't about this, you know, we're better than those people. That wasn't the issue at all, this separation. There are two reasons why both Abraham and Isaac instructed their sons not to marry Canaanites. First, it would cause a loss of tribal distinction. I mean, there are, there are the tribes of Israel that intermarried and disappeared like Simeon. What happened to that guy? He got lost in the tribe of Judah. Just kind of disappeared. And so part of this distinction was you marry within your tribe. The second purpose, of course, was that it would pollute the faith of God's people by introducing other gods in idol worship. These Canaanites were idol worshipers. They did not worship the true God. And so this this, uh, separation was to maintain purity. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 11, Moses had instructed the nation of Israel to do this. Now, you'll notice Exodus comes after Genesis, but the same principle is true here. The Lord says, Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all of the otherites," and, and he says here, take care. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go. Lest it become a snare to you in your midst. And you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim, For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods and you are invited, you eat of this sacrifice and you take of their daughters for your sons and their daughters whore after their gods and make your sons whore after their gods. And so there was the warning And the command for the nation of Israel. Kind of wonder how they did with that, huh? Except when you get to Numbers 25, there's a very, very poignant story told here. In Numbers 25, while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. Who would have thought? And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you, kill those men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and the sight of the whole congregation. There's no shame. No shame whatsoever in this sin. And we note in verse seven of numbers 25, when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them. The man of Israel and the woman threw the belly, and thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, nevertheless, those who died by this plague were 24,000 people. They did not take heed of the importance of separation for the protection, my friends, of the unity of their faith. Shame. You know, this whole separation thing wasn't just the Old Testament. Did you know that? Wasn't just for the nation of Israel. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verses 14 to 16 do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In other words, Christians ought not to be marrying unbelievers. And why is it? For the very same reason. They don't lift you up, my friends, they will take you away from the Lord. In their activities, in their beliefs, in their practices. And you say, well, you know, he's not as bad as the... Yeah. And here is the instruction. Do not be unequally yoked. For what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Separation, my friends. Separation. Well, after that uh, little side note here, we go back to our text in verse 2, and we see the instruction. Now, Isaac has blessed him. Now he gives some instruction Arise and go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Go marry your cousin. Get a truck. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Will you please forgive me? I'm sorry. All right, where were we? And then he blesses him. Now note carefully this blessing, verse 3. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. Like a nation, I guess, huh? And may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Hmm. And you will notice, separation wasn't just from his mom and from his dad, but also from his angry brother. Look at verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padanaram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanites, the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife beside the wives that he had, Mahalath the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. And so here is Esau making himself a stench to his parents, the great divide. And we say, well, Jacob isn't much of a prize, but I'll tell you what, look at this Esau character. And how he wants blood. Well, friends, the first step That he must face his separation. The second step we find here in verses 10 to 15. And that step, that experience is one of revelation. Coming face to face. You and I, we came face to face with the word of God. That Christ died for our sin. That he rose from the dead. And that our only hope was to trust in Christ. The main message of all of Scripture. Jacob had to do the same. So you will notice here, my friends, in verse 10 through 15, Jacob is out on a journey. And Jacob left Bathsheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. Apparently, he liked hard pillows. But take note of that pillow, my friends. And there he is laying down in this place to sleep. And he dreamed. You see, he had a vision. And first, he had a vision of angels And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Wow, what a view that must have been. So Jacob made camp for the night, and he had a vision of angels. And if that wasn't just amazing enough, my friends... In verse 13, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And then he made some promises to him. And I want you to hear these things, my friends. We just sang a song about God who will never fail us, will always care for us and provide for us. Take a look at these promises. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your offspring. So a promise of land. Just what he had promised Abraham. And verse 14. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south so a promise of a great number of descendants, just like Abraham. And notice this one, friends. This is the one that includes you and I, and your offspring, sh- and and your offspring shall all the fam- and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And there it is. And so you can start from the beginning of scripture and follow a family line. And all of it leads to Jesus. There are certainly branches in this tree that go off here and there. There is Jacob and there is Esau. But we follow the descendants now of Jacob. The blessing now rests upon him. And the Lord has blessed him. Just by the way, as he said he would, I'd say so there wasn't any scheming necessary. At his very at the time of Rebecca's pregnancy, the older shall serve the younger. The blessing's going to be on that guy, and here it is. And you will notice as this promise, the fourth, is something that he needs to remember, which has always been true for him. And behold. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. So, a promise to be present with him always. Change in his mind, separation, revelation, and now a new direction. Look at verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Imagine it. And he was afraid. What was he afraid of? God just made a bunch of promises to him. You know, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The beginning, my friends. And he said, how awesome is this place? I mean, this is none other than the house of God. I mean, this is the gate of heaven. This place is special. <laughs> and so he, he did what is done in that day. It was a habit of God's people... to remember in order to remember significant events a memorial was made we do the same thing in our country you know we have you know tall buildings we have all of these things represent things to us and notice what he did he transformed his pillow into a memorial So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, means house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. And of course, this is again the habit of God's people to remember significant events, to make a memorial and to give it a name But we will also note that by pouring oil on this stone, he consecrated it to the Lord. He didn't use the stone as an altar to make a sacrifice. He simply set it apart as a memorial. In later Hebrew liturgy, the pouring out of liquid was symbolic of pouring one's life out in devotion to the Lord. Paul used this as an image of his life being poured out to God. And to match his actions, my friends, we find his words here in verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you've given me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now here's this concept of a tithe. You will notice that the law doesn't exist yet. There are some to say, no, that's Moses, that whole tithing thing. But I'll tell you what tithing is. A tithe is is a confession that all that I have belongs to God. And it's a reminder for me, and it is a a pouring out to God in worship. And it is consistent with the very nature of the oil being poured out on the rock. This is me. I belong to you. And I'll tell you what, that is ultimately yielding to God. When we say all that I have belongs to God, you and I, We are stewards of these things that belong to him. Steward doesn't own any of it. but A steward is responsible to the owner for what he does. And that's a picture, friends, that each of us must have in this world. We are stewards of the things of God. So where are you at in this whole yielding thing? What have you gone through in your life that has brought you to the point that you realize enough is enough? I ain't the owner, God is. I need to yield to him. But I'll tell you what, friends, you will not find the joy that Jacob is going to find here. He's still got a lesson or two to learn. We'll get that one next week. A few steps along the way to really change him and shape him. But I'll tell you what the Lord's blessing is not based on what you've done but in spite of it and there are some blessings my friend that will only be experienced by those who are fully yielded to the Lord there are some blessings that you can only experience in this world when you're over 21 driving a car you know, I was that like 16, you know, you hit these age things and things become available to us. The same thing is true in the Christian life. But it ain't how many years you've been sitting in the chair. It's about your yielding to God, learning to trust him, to let go your anxieties. Only then do you see him work on your benefit. Only then will you see his power in action, his love on display for you. But some blessings are only available to those who just yield themselves fully to God. And so in not yielding, what we are doing is cheating ourselves. We're cheating ourselves. So God's grace, remember this, is no excuse for continued sin. Jacob is not tempted at this point to say, hey, wait a minute, the Lord just blessed me and I just cheated my father and deceived him and robbed my brother and, and hey, maybe I can get away with this stuff. Well, that'll be solidified in next week's study, but, but God's grace is no excuse for continued sin. Knock it off. And sin will separate you from God and man, my friends. We know this. The wages of sin is death. Death is separation. Sin separates. You want to destroy something? Go ahead and act selfishly. Selfishness destroys everything. Third, make it right with those whom you have harmed. Make it right. If you've harmed someone, make it right. Go to them, get it done. Confess your sin. Talk to them about that event. Make it right. And finally, pass along to others the grace that God has shown to you. You see, that ultimately is this blessing. It's not about, hey, your life's going to be great. It's I'm going to bless you in order that you might be a blessing to others. Let's not forget that. If God has placed Two gifts in your hand, one is to share, my friends. If God has blessed you, share it with someone this week.